0: Wired access. We'll do it live. Wired access. Do it live. Wired access. We'll do it live. Wired access. Welcome to a Wired Access podcast, a heard at production. I'm your host, DJ K Dub Omaha. And to my left, I have former Creighton baseball player, current pitching coach. Ordinaire, specialty, John Altman. And then to his left, I have the man, the myth, the legend from Wired Training Center, Brian Southwork. Welcome, fellas. Man, is baseball exciting in Omaha, especially now that College World Series is done, high school's done, you've, dibbled, you've dabbled in some high school stuff. We're going to get back to where I know that your journey to where you are today to be a coach over player is Sometimes there's a mind over matter. Everybody wants to play until they can't play no more. And that decision of when that happens, who knows how far do you remember back that you played? And when you gained the love and trust of a sport like baseball, where it kind of pulls out the worst in everybody, right? It's going to tell you what the worst thing you've done. Every time you get up there, when was your first time you remember loving the game? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm glad we can make this work, but I don't know. I've always
1: really enjoyed playing. I think a lot of it had to do with, I had a really good youth coach. His name was Dave Bell and he was my sixth grade teacher and his son was also on the team. So that's how he got connected, but he just made it a ton of fun and he was really good at just working with kids and understanding, you know, what, how much instruction they needed in order to be successful, you know, from a young age and then, you know, progressing us as we got older. Um, and he, I would say that he really set the foundation along with, I mean, I had, great teammates. I enjoyed playing with my buddies, Um, but kind of that, those two, that combination of thing of having great
0: teammates and then having a really good youth coach kind of set that foundation. And when you say youth coach, is this rec select when you first remember getting with coach Bill? I only ask because sometimes even at the young age, let's say 10 or 11, even though you might not have started select ball, you find that right coach, he turns it into a select ball organization or finds an organization to take you guys to. Where do you remember starting out back then?
1: Um, So, I mean, I played rec ball until I was probably 10, and then there was this organization. I'm from Beatrice, and so there's an organization called the Beatrice Blues. Um, Now it's the Beatrice Bullets, and it's kind of flipped back and forth. But it was the Blues at that time, and so he had started a team earlier with his son's older brother. And so then he started a second one maybe when I was, I think I was 11. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I played 11 twice, but I didn't start playing select ball until I was 11. You know, and we just stayed kind of around Beatrice and Lincoln. Um, and it was awesome. It was, it was a ton of fun.
0: The best part is, is you were able to join it at 10 or 11. Yeah. If you look locally, Brian, you, you know of the Elkhorn Prime, you're a coach of them. If you don't start at eight, it is hard sometimes finding your way into the select ball game. What does it mean when you see a smaller city be able to find an athlete like our guy here, John, and be able to turn it into a select part at that age of 11 instead of going, man, he's constantly getting missed because you know how tryouts go. We're looking for one player. We're looking for one player. And it's a certain thing. You know what you're going into when you go into tryouts. You're not sitting there going, I'm going to look all the athletes. I mean, you try. You know, what, what is it like when you see small cities be able to get?
2: I mean, small town travel ball is different. Um, it's it's interesting because usually it's more of a numbers thing more than anything. I mean, they need all those players to um, the best athletes from the town to kind of compete. And then, you know, usually then it's like it just varies greatly what type of athletes are in, in that grade level and where they compete. But it's def- I mean, it's different. It's more of a community feel. You know, and you're playing for your town compared to like in Omaha is like and people jump organizations all the time. Yeah. We'll go west, you know, east, like whatever part of town. I mean, the community travel baseball, it's it's pretty, pretty fun to watch.
0: And when you think of back when you started this travel ball, did you play other sports where you're a multi-sport athlete or was baseball the one love even at an early age?
1: I, I played everything growing up and Beatrice. I mean, you know, kind of going back to what you said, I think. There was maybe 12 kids on the team and 12 kids tried out i do not yeah. know if we really had a tryout it was just, yeah coach bell knew like 12 kids and a couple of kids were from the younger for even from the grade below and it just so happened that we were very you know, diverse really talent
2: level i'm sure you yeah know, you always have like those three or four good and three right. or four because you need them you know i mean
1: and i think it's changed a little bit there now i think they maybe have maybe one or two teams per um grade level but I, I, there's a story my dad always tells me we'd, we'd be playing like the lincoln cyclones and We'd beat them, and then they would be like, "Well, what's your like? What are your player entry fees?" And I think it was like fifty bucks for like a cotton T-shirt, like our jerseys, <laughs> and then and then we'd beat these guys, and they were paying like fifteen hundred. I don't even know how much. No, your the parents. It, it, right? the prices, parents were
0: prices are huge, and, right. and the the commodity of that price is always being sold by every year as far as how good a team does or how good a coach. And one coach can make that fifteen hundred dollars make it it's not worth it. So knowing that you got your parents in at a very young age and you're at a younger, a, a smaller price, how did you grow? And what was some of the things that you remember back in middle school, high school? What was some of the the things that grew your love with baseball and grew you to become a a, a pitcher uh, to possibly be D one?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I played, I mean, as a lefty, I was kind of stuck at first base and then the outfield and then I pitched and, I was always kind of a closer actually when I was younger because I would just come in the seventh and blow it by him, I guess. And then that would be the end. And I'd throw, you know, three games on the weekend or whatever. Um, And then I enjoyed playing all the other positions too. And then as I got older, I started to kind of get, I kind of started to realize, okay, I think pitching, I'm a lefty. It's kind of in my, it's probably in my future. And I was always someone that was really interested in just like finding ways to get better. So like I would scour the internet um, just looking for programs and things to try. Um, I got lucky that sec and Beatrice had just started their baseball program. I think when I was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school. And so their head coach, um, his name is Ron Collison, who was my juniors or JV head coach, his dad, he was kind of a pitching guy and he worked for the Beatrice, um, or the Bruins. That was like their college travel ball team. Okay. And so or the college, like summer ball team. And so I kind of got connected with him through my coach and he was like, Hey, my, my dad will work with you. And so in exchange for lessons with him, I grew up on a farm and so my dad would let him hunt on our farm and then I would get pitching instruction with the guy. And so, and I was just like looking through his stuff and he had like an old manual from like the Texas baseball ranch. And so I found that and I started just like doing the stuff that was in there and I was working out with the college guys and just kind of figuring it out on my own. And then, Next thing you know, I started throwing harder and harder, and I was lifting and doing all this other stuff on my own, and it just kind of worked out. I got so lucky that I found him, and then I found that Texas baseball ranch book, which, in hindsight, like a lot of the stuff that people are doing now, like drive line and tread, it's all based on you know some of that stuff that Ron Wolforth was doing, who's an Omaha guy, by the way. Um, <laughs> But I got so lucky that I found that and that ended up working out for me.
0: Well, of course, you know, Brian owns t- Wired Training Center. And, and the things that you're talking about is sometimes the experience he can't get. He'll get some where you'll get. I mean, we've had kids from Norse come on our show that come all the way to to Omaha to do it. But most of the time, it's these are kids are close by. You're finding these little things, these little nibbits to get better. But you, you said one thing in there that most people have the hardest thing to understand is alone. You said there's more times where you're alone because you don't have this big umbrella above you that's giving you all this knowledge. Brian, you heard him talk about trading services. I mean, you know, I know I trade service for my son, but like on a farm and using to hunt. Like those are the things that breed you to want to do even more for your olive branch, as they say, let it go out there further. How do you get the kids from out of town to even come to Omaha? I mean, you know how it goes when it comes to stuff like that. It's tough. I mean,
2: I'm thinking of a kid that we have from uh, from Iowa, and he's driving like 45 minutes round trip back and forth. Um, and you know, that's like five days a week he like makes that trip from from Glenwood. Is pretty good ways, you know? Um, then you have kids that are like. From Bellevue, they're like, "Ah, it's too far to get out there." It's like I mean, there's two different breeds of kids. there's kids that are going to do it it takes what it takes and there's kids like, "Man, that's tough. I'd rather probably play video games or hang out with my girlfriend you know it's <laughs> it's just too you got to want it and it's never it never surprises me when a kid that is making that 45 minute drive, they make it you know, they they accomplish what they want to accomplish and they always pass up those other guys.
0: You also said a key word though, the want, where did that come from for you? Where did that start for you? The want to do that stuff? I think growing up on a farm had a pretty big impact on me. You know, my dad was always
1: making me work and help him out. And so I think that's kind of where my work ethic, you know, started just watching him work and how hard he worked to make things work. Just he's running a business essentially. Um, and then, I found my passion in baseball. And so that's even now that's all I really do. You There's know, probably always, a
2: little crossover between throwing hay bales around. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and throwing, throwing some, hard, right? Some
1: rotational strength probably <laughs> by by throwing hay bales and scooping um, grain bins clean and just fixing fence, building farm strength. I mean, I'm sure it's related. I, I wish more kids would do some manual labor. Absolutely. For him, but
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, invite them out to the farm. Who knows yeah, whatever can absolutely. happen, right? Absolutely. So you think of all those stories of what your dad has shown you, what you've grew up. You get to high school. Did you go to just baseball or did you still? Because obviously, like Brian said and Beatrice, they need the numbers. Did you continue all four sports through three sports Two. What was your experience through high school?
1: So growing up, I played football, basketball, baseball. Um, And if you're familiar with Beatrice at all, it's a pretty big basketball town. Jim Weeks was the head yes, coach yes. Um, when I was there, and his son was my age. So I got to know Coach Weeks really well, and I, I loved basketball. and it, I was very much... When it was football season, I loved football. When it was basketball season, I loved basketball. And when I when it was baseball season, I was all in on it. And then when I got to about high school, probably my freshman year, I, I loved playing all three. I remember telling my dad I really enjoyed playing all three. But then I got to my sophomore year, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm starting to see some trade off here between where I want to go in baseball and then you know just the time demands of doing all three. And there was nothing against Coach Weeks in basketball. I loved him. Um, part of me wishes that I would have still played, but I. After my freshman year, so my sophomore through senior, year, I just played um, football and baseball. So,
0: and, and when you stick to just football and baseball, you're in a small city, getting in those memories that you might have missed for basketball. What kept you with football to to still do that with baseball?
1: Um, I think it was good just for me to do something else. Um, and there's nothing like Friday night football. I mean, it's, it's what fun. position? Um, I was a defensive back, and I played a little quarterback actually when our starter got hurt. Um, Man, the lefty so, quarterback. I, I don't know, know man. That's yeah, it's kind of tough. You. The all spinning the wrong way. But, um, yeah, I, I, and baseball and football pair well together. Even now, today, I feel like you have more. There's not a lot of basketball, baseball players, just because there's a lot of overlap in the sports. It's hard to get your arm ready. Um, it's hard to prepare for that spring season when you're playing basketball. So, um, even now, I think football, baseball is probably your biggest two sport athletes.
2: Yeah, Yeah. no, I I think it's tough. I mean, when you look at basketball, I mean, you're just training a completely different energy system. I mean, you're running down the court, up and down the court, and it just takes away all that time of lifting, throwing. You know, you usually see those, like, hardcore basketball players usually always get passed up by the guys that aren't playing a winter sport is what you see.
1: Yeah, And it's just tough. I mean, you can go on and on about, like, the multi-sport athlete thing. And, you know, were they a great athlete, and that's why they could play all three sports, you know, did they play all three sports and later become a great athlete? I, I don't really know what the answer is. I think you just have to like see find okay, you, right? What does this kid need? You know, like what are your goals? Do you want to play college baseball? Well, maybe you're not, maybe you're lacking in the athletic in the athleticism department, and you need to give up something else in order to do it, you know. And is that is the juice worth the squeeze to you? You know?
0: Well, and we we just interviewed a couple weeks ago Connor Capisci, who who is a, a well-bred machine to, on that factor of you saying where are you fit enough? Are you good enough to be where you want to be? He was over. He admitted right here on this couch. And and I mean, that alone, using a platform like this to be able to admit I was overweight, I was unfit to be the athlete that I wanted to be, had to give up other things. He gave up football, which is opposite of what you said. but he And Gross High was like in the championship in football. So sure. just think your senior year are miss out. Was there anything that you really regret missing out? And was there anything that you're like, okay, this was worth it in the long run of what I might have missed out on?
1: I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't really like to live with regret. I mean, I made the decisions that I made. Um, the only time it's hard is like, when I'm playing pickup basketball and I wish I was better. Maybe it's just like the <laughs> the compete the, the, co- the competitor in me yes. and you know like some of my high school buddies will talk about basketball stories and I'm like I wasn't involved with that, which is honestly fine because there's some things that I did with my baseball career that they didn't get to do and and I wouldn't trade, you know, my experiences at Creighton or playing summer ball or the things that I get to do now because of that for anything. I mean it's I I really do appreciate the and- things that I got to do.
0: You played football. What was the the thing that you felt you got from football to help you make be a better baseball player, and what in baseball helped you enjoy football? Um, I think there's like a there's a
1: toughness aspect to football. I mean, no one enjoys football practice. I don't think. I mean, it's it is a grind. You know, in the summer in August, you know they're going out there right now. They're lucky that it's nice and cool out. But man, when clouds it's clouds are out, yeah. I having... mean, <laughs> when it's 100 degrees and you're playing football and you're practicing and you're not playing for two more weeks and you're just beating up on each other. It's like it's a tough thing to do. Um, and I've had that conversation with a couple of kids before where they're like, I'm thinking about playing football. And I'm honestly like, yeah, I think that's actually a really good idea for you because you're probably lacking in the mental fortitude
0: department. and You probably need a little, you know, someone to kind of beat you up a little bit. Well, know? and that's just it. I mean, I, I that the way a baseball athlete prepares, the way a basketball athlete prepares, the way football athletes... They're not on the same playing field. They're not the same style athlete. They're not eating the same way. What are some things when you think back to your regimen of eating and lifting that you think you really think more in baseball terms than you do or would have done in football? Because I think when I think of football, it's more bulking, getting big. When I think of baseball, it's fine tuning, whether it's the arm strength, whether it's it's a direct muscle of the arm or even the leg so you can push off with more power what was some of those things that you remember back then? You know, I might push
1: back on you a little bit in terms of the strength side of things. Um, there might be a few exercises like going super heavy on bench. and Even that, it's kind of hit and miss or like super heavy overhead press type things for football players that maybe I'd be a little hesitant about, you know, for, for our pitchers. But, you know, for the most part, I think all those kids need to get in the weight room. I mean, it's going to be – it's pretty tough for a high school kid to bulk up so much that he's losing, you know, maybe some mobility in his shoulders or in his hips. Um, and sometimes it does happen. But I think for the most part, all those kids can benefit from being in the weight room and getting stronger.
0: Well, and Brian, of yeah. course, in you, in your facility, you guys have a weight system for the kids to use. What's some of the things that you guys always suggest and what's some some things that they should be always looking forward to getting better when it comes to the weights in your in your facility?
2: Yeah, I mean, you, pretty much every high school kid we see, they're lacking strength. Like, lacking strength, lacking power, and they're too small. The game's changed. These guys are huge now. Um, I mean, you got to be big, you got to be strong, and mass usually equals gas, right? If you want to throw harder, you're going to have to – they're going to have to be probably a little bit bigger than you are. So that's a big part of a program is just adding weight. You know, if you want to there, – there's a formula out there like Josh Heenan's formula, right? Yeah. It's like you take your inches by 2.75 and then you figure out that's your ideal weight. I mean, there's there's formulas out there now that they tell you how big you should be. And, and usually 95% of high schools are lacking in that. High school kids are lacking in that area right now. Yeah, I would agree. I always tell them mass
1: equals gas until it doesn't anymore. You know, yeah. like – Keep putting on weight until that's until you've kind of plateaued from the velo standpoint, and then after that, there's probably somewhere else. Your lowest hanging fruit is probably somewhere else, but usually that's the best place to start is getting bigger and stronger.
0: So you get bigger, you get stronger. You're getting seen. You obviously for Beatrice, you get an offer from Creighton. What is your process that goes in a small town? Maybe that you felt was successful for the the recruiting process, and what was something that obviously nowadays Twitter is getting bigger and the promotion off of those things are getting bigger where coaches are seeing what's some of the things that you remember through your process?
1: Well, I mean, that was, this was 2011. So it's changed a lot since 2011. I mean, I look back at like where I was at as a senior in high school and I'm not even sure if I'm getting recruited by Creighton anymore, just by, just based on how much things have changed just in terms of physically, physically, like where you need to be to play at that level. But I got pretty lucky, um, I just was playing for my high school team and played legion, um, travel ball, like prospects. That wasn't really, there was like Nebraska sluggers, I think, but it wasn't really a thing. in back then, um, but anyway, the, this coach, Scott Hodges, he's at, um, Westview now. He called me one day out of the blue and said, Hey, you pitched against us against Ralston and districts. And he's like, I'm taking this team to Chicago for this big showcase tournament. Do you want to join us? Um, he must've asked a couple of his kids um Grant k played at Louisville was playing for him and he's like who's some of the better arms you saw this year and he's like well this kid this lefty from Beatrice so he called me and he said hey do you want to play and I was like sure and so I went to Chicago and nothing really came of it um and then he's like well if if you want to go to some good showcases Wayne State has a really good one and that was like 2 days later so I went up to Wayne and then when I was up there I threw pretty well and then like every coach that was there all these like junior colleges came up and talked to me and then um, one of the creighton assistants was there and he's like, Hey, I've really liked you know what you saw. Do you want to come to our camp in a week? And I was like, Sure. And so, <laughs> so I went to the camp and I threw really well there. And then they're like, Hey, I think you want to come I think we'd like to have you come back next week for just like a visit and tour campus. And I had no idea what was happening. So like I walk into Coach Services office and he like hands me a piece of paper and it's got an offer on it. And I was like, Oh, this is what we're like. This is a visit, and you're offering (laughs) me a scholarship.
0: The bad part is if you don't know, like you don't know. I mean, I'm I'm only guessing. My 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 grandparents were farmers. They didn't go to college. They had no clue. My parents didn't have a clue of any of this stuff. So I'm guessing as you're going through this, you you went got invited to a camp. Cool, I'll go there. Now I'm getting invited to a college. Cool, I'll just go say hi and everything's like the same. And then it just plops out on you yes. what was what was well, what was even the parents thought i mean did well, they know what was going on i'll give on? you a great uh, this
1: explains it to a T. team my we're going to creighton i'm wearing a husker hat right now I'm a, <laughs> I'm a husker football fan but anything else i'm not but my mom was wearing a husker football t-shirt to the creighton visit so so we walk in and i look, saw her wearing it and i was like oh i don't know if that should be if we should be wearing that i hope that doesn't affect, it didn't affect i still got an offer but i was like We didn't, I mean, we just didn't really know what we were doing. And I still think a lot of parents don't know, I mean, unless you've been through it or you have like an older brother, an older sister, that's been through it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of education that I think that can be done for, for the recruiting side of things.
2: It's changing all the time. I mean, gosh, just from like two years ago, it's, it's completely different now too, with the transfer portal and everything else. I mean, it's constantly evolving.
0: I, I think it's one of those where if, if you have young kids you really need to lock in and, and find someone that can help you in that aspect because they could get left behind because it is changing. I mean, I feel bad for my kids somewhat, but I don't, but they didn't have social media until they graduate just because of the negative, but they also weren't looking to get sports and get recognized in that aspect. So it's, it's like, you have to have those tough conversations. You have to have those things. So of course you're coming from a farm. You're thinking, you know, okay, sweet. I'm going to play baseball. What, made you think creighton was a place what was it besides just the offer what what made that feel like home well it came down
1: to creighton and uno for me and so to be honest with you i just wanted to play at the highest level and just see what i had so i mean uno was great i i appreciate you know the time that they gave me but i was like well i remember sitting in the kitchen my dad asked me like well what do you want to do and i was like well I, i want to see what i can do and Creighton was, at that time, UNO was still D2. So
2: Yeah, I mean, playing at Boys Town, right? Like, <laughs> right, so and that was another thing. I mean, TD was just built. So. Great, great strides recently.
1: <laughs> right, so UNO was a lot different back then, and I was like, well, let's let's see what we can do with Creighton. And so has this history.
0: Through your high school career, was there any injuries that you had when it came to baseball? I only ask because, or even in college that you might remember, Some of the hardest things that I think sometimes it's for people to realize is you can still be successful in your career and have a hiccup like an injury or something that maybe it's more of a mental reset to go. I have to really worry about this person over the amount of pitches I throw compared to was there anything that you had to grow up with or anything? I mean, being a pitcher. You know, there's always that. But if you do things right, as they say, or if you're you're taught the right process, maybe you just didn't have that experience. Yeah, honestly, I didn't
1: have any injuries until I was done playing. So I got really lucky. I mean, I I found the weight room early. You know, I found that throwing program early. And I think a lot of that helped keep me healthy. Um, and even through college, I never really I had some elbow issues a little bit. Nothing serious. Um, nothing really to like have to shut down or anything but I yeah I got lucky that I never really had any problems um I didn't then when I started playing old man league baseball when I got done and I stopped taking <laughs> care of myself that now, now I have a torn UCL I'm pretty sure but
0: yeah when I was playing I I never really had any issues thankfully and, and of course Brian you've seen pitchers at all stages you you see him go through the process he's obviously said he was doing the right things with lifting doing the right things with being taught like how important is that for you to stay healthy as he was? Is it just a luck of the draw? Is it, is it just a matter of a lot of things altogether?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it it can vary greatly. I mean, you can have perfect mechanics, be strong and, you know, you just are fatigued one day and something bad could happen. Right. Like, I mean, so I I think there's definitely, you know, doing the right things like training and lifting getting stronger, all that will help. But, you know, at the end of the day, Anything can happen to anyone at any time, and it's tough. I mean, yeah. To add to that, I think
1: it kind of depends. Goes back to that conversation of how bad you want it. Sometimes when you have those kids that really want it, you almost have to like pull them back and dial it back a little bit. For like, I had a kid a couple weeks ago, and he's like, "Man, my velos down. I've been struggling with command, all these things." And I was like, "Well, you know, what what's your week look like?" And he's like, "Well, I have two appearances on the weekend. I come back." And he's traveling all across the country. Gotcha. So that already is probably going to set you back a little bit because you're sleeping in hotel rooms and you're probably not eating great. But he comes home for three days, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he's like, well, I try and get off a mound twice and I long toss three times. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe let's dial that back a little bit, you know, and so he goes, he basically takes out two days of long toss and now he's long tossing one day, one little tune-up off the mound, and then he's into his weekend and his velo jumps from like, 80 to 82 back to 86 to 88 and it's like well there's your problem you know?
0: simple simple adjustments simple stuff like that you go through your college career what was the favorite thing that you enjoyed through it and what was something that you felt you didn't get enough of um i
1: think the one thing that i really enjoyed was just the relationships you build with your teammates i mean you're getting up at five thirty in the morning and you're working out and then you got classes all day and then you're practicing for three hours and then you know, when you're a freshman, you got to go to study hall. And then other than that, I mean, you're hanging out with your buddies all the time and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of work too. And I think sometimes that's undervalued for kids or maybe kids don't realize that going in, like they have this, I'm going to play college baseball. I'm going to do it. I want to do it at this level. And then, you know, if they're that kid that isn't really sold on baseball or maybe it's someone else's goals, like maybe their parents want it more than, more than they do. And then they get to college baseball and they're like, Holy cow, this is now like a job almost. You know, and, and sometimes I went through those moments where it was like, ooh, this is a grind. Um, but looking back, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I
0: think it helped me out a lot. He said some things. We've done a lot of interviews, Brian. He said some things of the know that you, it could be a grind, the know that you have to put in a little more. The what, what What's a day in the life of, of a baseball player at a college level? What, especially a pitcher, because you're also probably having to watch tape on some of the batters and what they do. This isn't like high school where they're like, all right, let's go throw a few, you're, you're having to dig deep. What was one day like that, that might put in perspective of, of you already said the 5 30 AM yeah. go through the rest of the day of what that's like as a college, I mean, I mean, college student athlete, let's say that loud and proud. Cause well, so
1: my last year, my fifth year I was student teaching. And so I had to student teach, I had to work eight hours. And so lifting was always from 6.30 to 7.15, but I had to be at school by 7. So I would actually get there at 5.30 and then warm up on my own. And then the weight, the strength coach would show up. And then I, that way I could start my lift as soon as he got there. And then I was teaching from 7.40 to 3.20 and then sprinting to practice basically until 6.30. And then I was eating and then lesson planning for the next day. Now, that's an extreme example, which not everyone's going to become a teacher and do something like that. And it was pretty crazy but it's still (laughs) eye-opening i mean just
0: you know i mean he's got a son that's nine i mean he wants baseball he lives baseball but realizing these little things even at year five you don't know when your time is to go to that next level you get you get your earlier years before year five you have class you have homework like that stuff is real these college teachers aren't going hey john We're going to go ahead and need you to put that in. We're going to need you. How do you time manage? Where do you get that from? What's some of the things that helped you be a better time manager when it came to college? I mean, it's helped that I, like, grew up on a farm and knew how to work.
1: Um, And I'm very, like, type A organized. So that might be be a conversation for some of my teammates who are on the opposite, (laughs) complete opposite end of the spectrum that didn't really have that. Um, And I probably even did too much. I mean, that's just, I was always kind of a nerdy student in some ways but um i don't know you just you make a list i was just like okay what is in front of me what do i need to do and then i just would knock it out and then i get that done i'm on to the next thing and so i've always kind of operated that way maybe that that made that helped um and even now like i think back to how busy i mean we got a three-month-old in the house and i'm you know i'm starting school this week and we got all these things going on i'm like well i've always just gotten everything done so i'll just done again, I guess. I don't know. You just kind of figure it out.
0: <laughs> well, and then you go through your five years at Creighton. What is, you know, everybody thinks that the next step is so easy to get to the next level and to do all that. What all went through your process after year five? Was it something you had some summer ball opportunities you had, but then you obviously have to switch it up and go, okay, I'm going to be the coach teacher mentor. Like how does that process go? Because it's, it's obviously not something easy to decide, when, when you've wanted it so bad? Yeah, I I didn't throw hard enough to have any pro
1: ball opportunities, really. Um, I was kind of in that 86 to 88 range, and even in 2016, that wasn't enough. Um, but the transition for me from college to the real world was, was really hard, and I think it's something that student-athletes probably need to be aware of um, because you go through those five years of being a student-athlete and – you kind of feel like you're important because you're a student athlete and your identity gets wrapped up in that. And you're thinking, okay, this is who I am and this is what I am. And then now you're done. And now I'm just teaching and coaching. I'm like back on the farm living in my parents' old farmhouse. And it was like, it was kind of isolating. And it was actually a really difficult transition for me. It took me probably two years to kind of flip back to, okay, I'm more than just a baseball player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even more than a teacher and a coach. You know, I'm a I'm a son. I'm a now I'm a husband and a father and a friend. And all of those things now are more important to me. And I don't know if that was necessarily the case <laughs> when I was playing. And it kind of set me up for a rough couple of years after I was after I was finished.
0: Well, and I I, I like that you're you're willing to talk about that because it, it is hard to know the life after. Of course, Brian, you see athletes go through this process What's some of the things as a trainer? Obviously, I know you try to bring some of them back and go, hey, look, well, then let's help other kids and and some of those things. What's some of the things that you remember through conversations with some of the college kids who want to make it to the next level, but you're a realist. You're honest. You, you, you can't just let them think that, that it's always going to be that dream.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's just really bringing the skills they've learned from baseball to help them overcome, like, I mean, all those skills that you've learned, like working hard, you know, time management, like all that stuff, can help set you up for success in the real world, right? So, I think it's just going back to those skills, and you know, life is going to be different. Like, you are no one cares how hard you throw anymore. You know, throwing strikes. Like now, it's like you're got to be answering phone calls. You got to be making phone calls, right? You got to be answering emails, and it just changes. But the people that can kind of go back to the skills that they've learned through sports, like usually, can find success pretty quick. To add to that, that's
1: that's actually a conversation that I always have with whether it's the guys I work with or my team. I'll 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 show them a pie chart, and it's it's like got a little tiny sliver of like five percent. You know, really only your baseball, high school baseball career. You know, if you're lucky enough to play beyond that, it's about five percent of your life. And so I I always say like, look, so much more of your life is going to be spent. You know, as a as a husband, a father, a coworker. You know, a son a friend. And so let's use baseball to prepare you for that and understand that baseball can't be all you are because baseball is only this tiny little sliver of your entire life. And so we need to prepare you with all of those other things that we can learn from baseball. Like you said, you know, strong work ethic, how to collaborate and work well with a team, you know, communication, all of those skills will help you with that. But as soon as you get, as soon as your identity becomes that tiny little sliver, you're going to be in big trouble when it's taken away from you.
0: Well, uh, Let's talk about that part. When you realize that this is your decision after the fifth year, how far, how many months did you go through kind of a lot of beating yourself up or even thinking, am I the one? What was some of that time, time lapse for you? Everybody, it's going to be different, but um, by what I'm feeling from you, you remember these like almost like ticks on your, on your line, right? This is when this happened. This is when this happened. Yeah. So I, when I got done
1: playing, I went back. I got a teaching job at Norris High School because it's down by Beatrice, and I, I knew the head coach, and so um, and they had a math opening. So I started going there, and I was living at home, and I just, I don't know. I've, at some point, I wanted to move back to the farm, but as a 23-year-old coming off of playing college baseball, I was not ready for that. And so um, I was there for one year, and then I came back up here just because I wanted to be kind of around some of my former teammates, and I still felt kind of a connection to that. And so I got lucky because – One of my teammates, Mark Lukowski, went to Papillion South. And so he said, hey, the coaches are awesome. They got a great culture. Um, And so, you know, I went there and it was it was probably during that second year that I kind of realized, like, okay, you know, I'm more than a baseball player. Now I can kind of pour into kids and teach them the experiences that I had um, and just use what I've learned to now help those that are in the next generation.
0: Was there any important conversations that you felt you had with someone, whether it's a parent, a sibling, or anything, to make you realize that this is who you need to be for your next step?
1: Well, to be honest with you, a lot of it had to do with getting reconnected with my faith. I would drive by um, Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church, and I remember praying on the way to work when I was kind of just struggling through, you know, what I wanted to do, and then I saw that. I saw the cross or whatever on 96 and Giles. And I was like, well, maybe I should go, you know? And so then I went that Sunday and I think I was like, oh, that was good. Enough. I'll go back. And then the next Sunday, someone from church came and said, hey, we noticed you here the last two weeks. You want to join our Bible study. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, it's hard for me to like meet new people and, get yeah. and put myself out there. And I was like,
0: okay, well, there's my sign. There's my sign. The, the signs <laughs> just happen. And, yeah. and it's being able to realize those signs. Yeah. You know, Brian, when you think of uh, of these people, these athletes going from normal, uh, not so normal lives to become normal, uh, the hardest process is to understand where your place is and what you really should be doing. Obviously, through college, you learn, um, but the signs just constantly show what turns you into being a trainer yourself and what made you thought that was the route that you had to go? Man,
2: I, I think mine really stemmed from I didn't have a lot of success in, in high school or college. You know, I mean, I, I, I went and played college, but I was very average. And, and then I would just didn't have a great experience, didn't perform well. So I was on a mission to figure out why. You know, it's like, no, I wasn't a good good hitter. I wasn't a good pitcher. Um, I struggled with that. So you know, I went to all these people, but like nothing ever worked for me. So I wanted to figure out the why. Um, and just learning and learning and trying to meet as many people as I can. And, you know, once I learned like, man, I, if I would have changed this, 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 done this differently, this differently, that's when it really just really turned me on a mission. It's like I want to share my knowledge with people um, and help people. And I don't want them to make the same mistakes as I did. Um, and I also want to be that person, you know, for those kids to come talk to and and help through and be there to, you know, support them. Because I didn't have that when I was playing. So that's really kind of what led me down that path a little bit different than him. But that's
0: um, what I like about it because his path goes right back to the coaching, to the teaching, but it stemmed from something. It's, it, you know, there was something that told him, this is what you had to do. What took you into teaching pitching a little more deeper and obviously having these mentorships to these young athletes.
1: I mean, I, I'm a lot like you, right? <laughs> I mean, I played at a high level, but I wasn't great at that level. I was pretty average. Um, And I've always just have been very curious mind of trying to figure out, you know, what what can I do to make myself better? And then now it's what can I do to make other players better? I mean, it's just like a problem solving thing for me where I really like to just figure out, okay, what what will work for this kid? Same thing for myself. I still think that I could get myself up to 90 if I want it if I wanted to. I just obviously won't now. But um, I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of on this mission to just like. You know, how can I make each kid the best that they can be? Um, and just sharing my knowledge, kind of like what you said. I mean, it's just like a – it's like a, just a challenge for me, if that makes sense.
0: Well, and I like – you take a, a local job here in, in the Omaha area at Papio South, and their season this year, you're a part of it. Whether you, Where you're at on that link is is where you're at, but you're a part of the success. What's one of the things you felt you were able to help – the team with on your teaching and what's one thing you actually learned probably from the coaching staff to make you a better teacher?
1: Um, I mean,
0: so my role is to help
1: with the pitcher. So I, I do a lot of work with the pitchers in the off season. Um, and then once the spring season hits, I'm, I'm with the JV. So I don't see what those varsity guys are doing, but I try and spend as much time as I can just preparing their, preparing them physically, you know, so they're ready for a for high school spring season. Um, and that they have the tools and skills to be successful, and then I also try and help them mentally, just understanding, okay, what am I getting myself into? How do I, how do I handle the highs and the lows that are going to come from high school season? Just because you know you start riding that roller coaster and things can can fall off the fall
0: off the tra- uh, the tracks pretty easily. But um, my girlfriend just broke up ser- with me. Seriously, I, I, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And, and what's some of the things that you feel like you're, like, are you using? Because obviously you're more closer to their age. It's easier for you than it is for me. For me, I have to slowly gain that trust. And then they're like, okay, this dude knows what he's talking about. I coach high school football for eight years. But I had to gain that trust because I don't have that connection. You have all these connections that, that make you where they look up to, playing at Creighton, playing at a high level. Do you use that kind of as more of just to help but that isn't your main goal because you're 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 creating John you're creating coach Altman you're creating the guy not all these other accolades that you've done i think early in my coaching career i relied a lot on the
1: things that you know my pedigree if you will if that's what you want to call it um but now i've kind of realized i, I don't really talk about my playing career much unless there's maybe some aspect or some th- something i experienced that i can say hey you know This happened to me this year and I kind of see you going through the same thing but I just think that if kids know that you care about them and if you can get them better it doesn't really matter you know what level you played at um because honestly that's just what they 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 want to know someone cares about them they want and they want to improve and so if you can do those two things for them I to me I don't think it really matters you know what you did previously Um, and so I now later in my career like I shouldn't say later in my career but within the last couple of years, it's just been, look, I think I can help you with this or that just based on what I see. And I'm not relying on, you know, my playing experience. Necessarily the
0: the issue it. is they're seeing the results. I mean, you're that, that's what your company's all about. If, if you don't have the results from what you're teaching, no one gains that trust in you. What's some of the things that you feel that you've gained the trust and what's some of the things in your teaching that you felt that they've gained that trust in you? Um, I try and keep things
1: just simple for them. I mean, if I can, honestly, one of my favorite things is when I can just give a kid like a quick thing and then they're like, it helps instantly and their face like lights up and they're like, yes, I've been trying to figure that out for this entire, like forever. And you just did it, you know, in like a two second change, you know? And so, um, and a lot of that just comes from like a lot of experience in doing it. And there's a lot, like a lot of times kids have a lot of repeating issues, but you know, it's. You that's mean the thing like,
0: that you've taught them 10 times and they still do it? Finding <laughs> right. <They still> <laughs> the right cue. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's just over time you build that experience and know kind of what to look for. But um yeah, when you can just give a kid like one thing to get them one percent better today, that's I think that's all
0: they're looking for, really. Brian, and I think you can relate to that exact saying. I mean, that that's the one thing that you enjoy is just seeing the faces of these kids that it's it's not a controllable by the way you yelled at someone, the way you 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 treated them, it's by teaching them, and then they do one thing different, and they the, the eyes are just bright and big, bushy tail, and they're looking for that next. It makes them chomp at the bit. Right. It's how you get buy-in, essentially? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, it's just it, it just. I'm sure like another coach has told them, or you know, you told them. It's just finding that. That way to like make them understand what they're trying to accomplish and wording it differently, and then you know they had that success, and then they become addicted. Like, okay, what's next? Right. right, I got this fixed, and what's next?
0: Well, and speaking of what's next, what is going on? Is this a place where people can find you if they want to have you coach their son as a pitcher? Is it something where you're kind of just sticking close to the Papio South team? What's what's options going on with uh, Coach Altman?
1: So I. Have the stuff that i do with the kids at school and then um i do my own just personal uh pitching group lessons as well and so i do all those down at Vignus academy south papillion um and you can i mean i post on i try and share as much as i can on social media um whether that's twitter or instagram i don't really think at when i first started i was like oh i don't want to share all the secrets but now i'm like these kids can go to youtube and learn all of this stuff i'd rather just Say okay. Here's what I know. Here's how maybe I can help you. Here's what my philosophy is. He
2: puts out those threads. Like he'll give (laughs) you like the ten tweet things that give away all the secrets. (laughs) Yeah, I I just don't believe
1: in gatekeeping. I I think that you know the more you can share, the the better because kids are going to find information. They can go to Google and type in whatever they want about pitching development, and some of it's great and some of it's horrible. So I'd rather just share what I know and what I think, and then if that aligns with what kids. Believe and what parents believe, then then I, I can help them out. If if it aligns with, if they don't agree with it, that's okay too. You know. So, um, but yeah, in the off season from September through February, I offer a lot of group training, and so they can find me on social media, and then uh, my website too. So that's guysinbaseball.com.
0: You you said the thing that I really love is sometimes it's hard for someone who can be successful can be influenced and an influencer can be a coach can be a mentor to realize that once again, it's about the kids. Not every kid's going to connect to me, but if I shared my time and I shared my knowledge with them and they understood and, and maybe they don't come back to me, but they saw my tweet and they see how important it is to me. How is it being able to accept that not every kid is a coach Altman kid and being able to have those conversations, they're not easy. Right. But if you are true to what you're saying and true to that value, what does that mean to you?
1: I think it just comes down to it's kind of an eco thing, honestly. I mean, I've had kids that have trained with me and then they go and train with you. And you know it, it doesn't bother me. It's fine. If they if they can go to you and get better, that's okay. I mean there's there's plenty of I think the I don't really think of it as like competition because there's plenty of kids that could that can go around right? Some kids will align with what I believe. Some kids will align with what other people believe. And that that's okay. It doesn't bother me.
2: And just really different communication styles, right? I mean, some people just relate with kids better than others. So I think it's important to, for the kids to find a good fit that, you know, they can relate to, you know, they believe in and will help them and buying in. And, you know, sometimes that's another instructor and, you know, you did your part and pass them along. So I don't know. I, I hate when people get into like the competition mode this is my kid i did this like no man it took an army of people absolutely like it took an army they, they, like you are a very very small percentage in you know that kid's success
0: and that, and that's why i like this platform of what what we do here is one if we can provide a little bit more information for a parent for an athlete for um uh, even even just another mentor to understand that you can be in the same business, like when people go, "Man, are you mad that so and so didn't ask you to mow their lawn?" I'm like, "No, man. There's plenty of people. <laughs> there's plenty of lawns to mow. Well, and you can't you can't mow all the lawns. Exactly. I can't and, have and all and the and kids. Like, you can't <laughs> have all the kids. So, what do you feel so far with your new journey has been your greatest success, and what do you think is something that you feel like you're just going to put a little more time into make it better? for yourself, whether it is time management, whether it is even just being a father and a, and, a, and a husband, you know, because I could tell from my experience of coaching high school football, mom was a single mom. My wife was a single mom for three months. It's hard. It's not easy being that all around guy. What, what do you feel for yourself? Um, I think the thing that helps
1: me is I'm always just trying to learn. And so I know in 5 years I'll look back at the things I'm doing right now and I'll be like what in the world was I thinking you know and I look back to things that I was doing even 2 or 3 years ago and I'm like wow that was that kid, that did that kid no sir like no service at all <laughs> you know I should almost go back and apologize to him but you know you just do the best that you can with the information that you have at the time um, and then you're just always kind of looking for how can I make myself better at at helping kids get better essentially Um, and then in terms of things that I need to continue to work on now, it's like, now that I have, you know, my family's growing, it's how do I manage all of those things? You know, how do I manage my time? So I'm not missing out on experiences with my kids. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably impossible.
0: I mean, (laughs) well, see, he's got three, three sons. So, and they're all at different age levels. So baseball, I mean, I mean, I couldn't I'm good. It's only going to get worse. I can only imagine. I, yeah. Like, like the the biggest thing is having the understanding with your significant other to go, okay, we're going to divide and conquer. No matter how hard we want to be at everything, live in those moments that you do get to be in. Is college coaching an option? Is there anything in the future that you're hoping to get to? Uh, and I only say that because you already brought up what time consuming was already prior when you were in college is that something you could think could ever take effect is that a goal or anything for yourself not really I, I mean i've thought about it i think when i was when i was younger i actually reached out to a few schools
1: and just asked about you know graduate programs and things like that but now that i've kind of established myself I, well the main thing is i don't want to recruit i think that's the issue i just don't want to spend time going to camps and just trying to talk 17 year olds right it's just it's hard i mean i i have a couple of former coaches now that are still in like power five baseball and they're just, I mean, it's overwhelming, I think almost for them. I think it's, I think it's pretty hard. And so uh, that just doesn't really interest me.
0: What's, what do you think is your number one thing you are sharing with your senior pitchers to help prepare them for that next level? If they have that opportunity, what's the number one thing you really try to ingrain in them and and hope they understand before their end of senior year?
1: Um, I think it's just to really enjoy the relationships that you have. I mean, it's like the same thing you tell like the freshman in high school before he starts his high school career. It's it's going to go fast. You're not going to remember like your stats and all of those things, but you will no matter remember how much
0: Twitter you put out there. You, <laughs> right. you won't
1: remember, <laughs> right? But you will remember like guys that were good teammates. There's some. I mean, I get back together with my Creighton buddies, and I'm sure my it drives my wife crazy because we tell the same like. <laughs> 100 stories over and over and she's heard them all but i mean some of those those moments are the things i won't trade back you know whether you were an all-conference player you know or if you're a guy that never played i mean there's a couple guys that never played and they're like the most beloved teammates you know looking back on it that that i had and a lot of my teammates would say the same thing so i would just say really value value those relationships that you build
0: Well, I greatly appreciate your time. I greatly appreciate your message. Um, Our goal is always to share with Omaha. We want people to understand like there's options, there's levels of where you can get to the highest as you can go, but then also having to make a reality check and go, this is where I need to be now because I'm not Mr. Stud no more. The best part is you realize it, but you're also sharing it. You're not going and staying to yourself. The teaching part comes out. If there was a Sport in a position that you could play. Was there anything that you wish you would have done over baseball?
1: Well, I'm really into golf now. So, I mean, if I if I could be like a scratch golfer, well, I mean, going in high school, you got to know everybody says (laughs) if you're
0: not good at baseball, you're not good at football, you're not good at basketball. Go get that golf scholarship. There's plenty of them out there. Right. Well, it's all like the like the lifetime sports. You know, if you could be really (laughs) good at golf and tennis, golf
2: in the fall.
1: Yeah, but then you're dealing with football. I mean. I wouldn't trade my football experience. Yeah, you know, in yeah. hindsight, you have the rest of your life to play golf. So yeah. you know, your window of playing football is very short. And if you're, I mean, I've seen like old man football before, and that is,
0: I don't know why anyone. I can say that. I, play, I played, I played, <laughs> I played turkey bowl every year for like ten years until I was like thirty six, and then I was like, no more. And I mean, we're tackling out there, no nothing that. We're just dumb. <laughs> yeah. We are dumb. Like we're gonna stay healthy or something. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. Everybody always likes to know. When you're growing up, who was the pitcher that you looked up to and what made you choose that was the one position you wanted to do? Besides Ooh. the lefty, I get it. You're kind of <laughs> limited. Um, well, when I was a
1: kid, everyone always kinda compared me to Cliff Lee. I don't know if you remember, he played yeah. for the oh, Phillies yeah. and um which whether it was a good analogy, I'm not really sure, but um i don't even can't necessarily say that i looked up to him but i was lucky that i had a lot of like good high school pitchers that were ahead of me that you know i kind of looked up to and they kind of paved the way for you know what i could maybe be someday so
0: well once again this is a heard at production of wired access podcast i'm dj kw Mall, former creighton baseball player and also a beatrice high school graduate right here coaching at papio south john Altman, coach Oltman. And then we have, of course, Brian Southworth. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next time.
2: A Heard at Sports Network production.